When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone, welcome to another edition of the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And I'm Scott Katzko. And if you hear a little bit of uh, echo or whatever, we're here at the Indiana Convention Center in downtown Indianapolis. We are, of course, still at the NFL Scouting Combine. And um, today we heard from John Dorsey, the GM of the Browns. First things first, though, guys, I, I said this to you, Mary Kay, while we were sitting in the media room. This is sort of a boring combine for us. <laughs> this is what a... I didn't realize the combine was actually this kind of boring when it's just a normal every year sort of deal, and, and you don't have the number one pick. Well, yeah, it's definitely different. It's got a different, definitely different vibe to it. You know, not uh, everything is all about uh, the Browns and what they're going to do with that top pick, and uh, or you know, some very, very high pick. And uh, yeah, it's you know, anything can happen. You know, there and really. A lot of the uh, player stuff hasn't started yet either. So I think things will pick up once workouts get going tomorrow and things like that. But it's been a little bit quiet so far. Tomorrow is when you're really going to notice how different it is. When the quarterbacks are talking yeah. and and the Cleveland media is not grilling them about becoming a Browns <laughs> yes. quarterback. That's going to be the big difference, I think. Yeah, yes. I mean, for us, I, I remember, I mean, the last two years really on quarterback day, We've run downstairs, mm-hmm. had to interview these guys, taken our laptops with us because the media room is on the opposite side. So we, right. I remember Half the one year I'm away. sitting on the floor just like transcribing someone, and um, it, you know there was a real sort of you felt like you were going into game day almost <laughs> yeah. from our perspective at least. And this year tomorrow the quarterbacks are going to talk, and and I'm interested in hearing from them. I'm interested yeah. in hearing what Haskins and Murray have to say and getting like eyeballs on these guys, but. It doesn't matter as far as the Browns are concerned. Yeah, finally a good problem to have, right? (laughs) I mean, we have come here year after year after year uh, and listened to these guys. And, you know, just the the vivid memory of listening to Baker Mayfield last year, standing in front of him, all of us, and and hearing him say, you know what, if there's anybody that can turn the Browns around, I can. And to see how that actually did play out. That confidence, that swagger that he came into this combine with, he carried that right over to the football field for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, he nailed it there. He nailed it here, and then he went and nailed it there. And that's the reason here the Browns are not needing a quarterback. And the more I hear, you know, John Dorsey was asked about the quarterback class this year today. And whenever I hear him talk about quarterbacks, it just becomes more and more obvious why he loved Baker Mayfield Mm -hmm. because he'll talk about the things like, you know, arm strength and things like that. But then he gets into all the intangibles and, and all the things that, you know, kind of having nerve. I think he's had nerves of steel today. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see that stuff. It becomes more and more obvious that mm-hmm. why he picked Baker Mayfield. All right, so so let's get to it here, though. Because the Browns did pick Baker Mayfield, because they they went 7-8-1 uh, and one last year, 5-3 and three over the final eight games, everybody's excited about this team. A lot of Browns fans, I think most Browns fans are thinking, Potential playoffs next year, maybe AFC North if things break the right way. Um, John Dorsey, though, for as much bravado as Freddie Kitchens showed yesterday, 
John Dorsey kind of downplayed things today a little bit, I thought. And, and he said um, in a little side session with us that, you know, he's just trying to build the team. That's mm-hmm. all he's trying to do. There, there's no going all in. There's no, he's got to think about the future and all of this. And, and I'm wondering, because I certainly don't, do you guys believe that the Browns will do anything but go all in to try and win starting in 2019? You know what? I think he was probably trying to temper the enthusiasm a little bit, manage expectations, because I think he sees uh, that people are setting the bar very, very high for this year. And, you know, are they going to be able to live up to the expectations of all the people that say, including our own Doug Maurice, that they're going <laughs> to open for this year? I think he's just really trying to temper expectations and not have fans getting ready to go out and buy their Super Bowl tickets yet. Uh, but I really do believe in my heart of hearts that this football team feels that they are ready uh, to maybe win the AFC North this year to get to the next level. And that maybe they are only, I don't think they're one or two players away, but I think they are maybe four or five impact players away from really taking it to the next level. And I think they can add those players this year. I think the key too to remember is, is contract situations. They have a core group uh, that that aren't making a ton of money that are on their rookie contracts, especially their quarterback, which is a big thing to, to consider when you're when you're looking at a window, you know. Um, so when you look at it from that perspective and knowing how much cap space they have, it's hard to think why you wouldn't want to go out and, and go for it and, and and get those big name veterans in here to kind of put them over the hill, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to look at what the Eagles did when Carson Wentz went going into year two. They went out, they they were very aggressive, they added some high-priced guys. The Rams went, I mean, the Rams were the definition of all-in uh, last season and got to the Super Bowl. They spent a ton of money, gave up a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks, brought in a bunch of free agents, handed out extensions to Todd Gurley and Aaron Donald. That's a little bit of a different situation. I don't, I mean, if we're talking about that all-in, I don't necessarily expect that. But I do think... I mean, I think John Dorsey in an honest moment would, would see the window that's opening and understand that, hey, this is going to be the first year it's open. These things are only open for so long, and then you have to start finagling the cap a little more. Even though it keeps going up and up, eventually this team's going to get expensive. This is an opportunity, and, and I don't think he's going to just sit there and, look, he turned things around in Kansas City like that. I, I, I think he's going to try and do that here in Cleveland, too. Well, he just signed Kareem Hunt. Yeah, okay? exactly. So when you have Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson and you go out and you take a risk, not just a risk in other ways, but I mean a PR risk. When you take a PR risk like that and sign a Kareem Hunt, uh, basically you are saying, I'm going for it. We are going for it here. Now, maybe that doesn't mean they think they're going to the Super Bowl this year, uh, but within a couple of years, that's obviously the goal. And, and, again, he has turned around teams quickly like he did in Kansas City, and they are contending for, uh, you know, AFC championship games and Super Bowls and things like that now. So uh, he is going for it, even though he said today he's not going for it. I was going to say, and I get, I get the walking things back a little bit and not wanting to come out and say that because there is some realism to that because you don't really know what the Browns are totally going to look like this year. You have a new coach, even though he's been here. You have a new offensive coordinator and this meshing of offensive minds. So we don't really know how that's going to work out. Defensively, we don't know. There's a new coach, and we're not sure if he sees the players fitting in the same way that Greg Williams did. So there is some unknown there, even though there is a lot of uh, holdover from last year, a lot of familiarity, and 
but but there is that unknown also maybe he wants to see a little bit where does this go and then and then we're all in Mm -hmm. you know you know the other thing too we talk about you know that doug's prediction and, and we talk about the afc north the way i look at it is before i really want to jump in on that i do want to see what the roster looks like I don't want to see him beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like we're talking, I know the Pittsburgh Steelers are in flux right now. I know things are falling apart for them with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. But we also know that the Steelers have been able to replace talent over and over and over again. We know Ben Roethlisberger is still there, even if he is on the downside. I just, you know, I want to see him beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think they'll be able to. They should be able to this coming season. But I kind of need to see that before I'm ready to say, yeah, these guys are ready to really take over this division. Even though the Steelers weren't the division champs last year, that's still kind of the team that has been in their way over and over and over again. Because they did finally beat Baltimore last year. Why don't they just swap Antonio Brown for Odell <laughs> Beckham Jr. and yeah, even right? up trade and just end this once and for all, right? You're not trading within the division. You're not going to see these guys then twice every year. You solve both teams' problems. You know, maybe you get a new little headache here or there. But, you know, yeah, it's a change of scenery for both teams. There's a restaurant in town here somewhere where, where that dinner is going to happen. You yes, know? and I'm going to be there, too, <laughs> to chronicle the whole we're, thing. We're going to look for it. Okay, um, let, let's talk about uh, a couple other things that John Dorsey brought up. We're going to talk about the receiver position here momentarily, but first let's talk about the linebackers and a decision the Browns have to make uh, coming up with Jamie Collins. And we're recording this on Thursday uh, John Dorsey said he's got a meeting set up with Jamie Collins' agent, which indicates that some sort of decision is going to be made, and there's really two ways this can go. They can either decide to just move on from Jamie Collins and, and let him go when the new league year start, starts, or they can ask Jamie Collins to renegotiate that contract because he's very expensive. Um, and, and maybe it goes, and maybe they ask him to do that, and if the answer is no, uh, okay, we'll, we'll see you later. Better luck elsewhere. You know, I don't think that a third option will take place, and that is trading Jamie yeah. Collins. Because he's got a $10.5 million base salary this year, and I don't really think anybody is going to take on that salary. So I think we can pretty much get that off the table. So like you said, uh, Dan, they're either going to restructure him or they're going to cut him. I think uh, that, I don't know, I think that there's a chance that if it doesn't work out to restructure him, that they will just part ways with him. They They can realize a ton of cap savings depending if it's june pre-june 1st or after june's 1st it'll either be 9 million or 10 million and the dead money is not that much 2.5 before june 1 1.5 after june 1 uh, so they don't have a lot of dead cap money involved so there's really an economic advantage uh, to moving him unless you know steve wilkes really likes him and and wants to re you know wants to have him around but if that's going to happen that cap number has to come way down. He hasn't lived up to the big contract that he received. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, I think they feel that they can accomplish what they need, need to at the position by drafting someone or signing someone else. I'm wondering, um, first I'm wondering if I'm Jamie Collins and they ask me to restructure my contract, do I do that? I mean, he made the decision to, to, to stay here once. Mm-hmm. Does he do that for less money? And I guess it really comes down to what's what's the most important thing, uh, being part of a team on the rise or right. going somewhere else where you think maybe you can right. get more money. The other, the other side of this is what kind of role do they want him to play? Yeah. Because, again, you have a new defensive coach in here and you have him not living up to what most people would want out of him with that contract. So 
is his role going to be different? And I think that's probably going to be a big part of that conversation, too. Couldn't you just see them parting ways with him, like waving him, and Bill Belichick picking <laughs> him back up again and signing him at sort of a bargain basement price? Mm-hmm. He goes back home to the Patriots, and they get you know just what Bill Belichick needs out of him, which is Bill Belichick's forte, to find a role player and to plug him in, but at the right price. And that's why they let Jamie go when they did. Mm-hmm. His price wasn't his salary wasn't commensurate with what they needed him for yeah it's going to be interesting to see what they do um really with that whole linebacking group with the new defensive coordinator in here um you know steve wilkes is going to have a lot of say in in what goes on uh with that group and and with the rest of the the defensive side of the ball too of course he had some really really good linebackers in carolina you know i don't know what he wants to do as far as how much he's going to play play base, how much he's going to be a nickel, how much he's going to have extra defensive backs out there. It, it's going to be interesting to see what he really thinks of this whole linebacking core, and we're going to get our first taste once they make a decision on, on Jamie Collins. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think that when you bring in a new defensive coordinator like that, I think you definitely will see some some changes. I mean, they were not highly ranked on defense. You know, that's a little fact that seems yeah. to always get lost everywhere. Uh, but, you know, they finished amongst the league's worst defenses in the regular rankings, not football DVOA, but, you know, just in terms of sheer, uh, you know, whatever they were, 30-something and uh, at 28th against a run or whatever they were. And those numbers will go up under Steve Wilkes, and th- there will be changes made. Yeah, the turnovers skewed a lot of things, which which is fine. You you want to force a lot of turnovers, but turnovers, as we know, are very fickle. So you can you can be a great team forcing turnovers one year, and the next year still be good at it, but that number drops a little bit because they forced a really high number, especially early in the season. Um, you know, you can't just rely on on forcing turnovers. Um, let, let's go ahead and move on and, and talk about the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday we talked, of course, a, a lot about Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham, but uh, the Browns have uh, two other really important decisions to make. One of them is convincing Brashad Perriman to resign here. The other is what they're going to do with Rashard Higgins. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be surprised if Higgins didn't come back. Let's talk about Perriman, though, because that, it's a weird case. This is a guy that was a former first-round pick, uh, came in, played really well in a very small sample size. Now he hits free agency. He's oddly a very important piece for this football team. He's big. He's fast. Uh, all of a sudden, he can catch the football, which, mm-hmm. which he wasn't doing very well in Baltimore. Uh, he's he's a really interesting case for. Uh, you know, I'm curious to see how much money he's going to make in a pretty weak wide receiver group uh, in free agency. Well, you know what, wide receivers do. Like you said, it's a weak wide receiver group. His agent is Drew Rosenhaus, okay, and he is going to find top dollar for for Burchard, however he can get it. And the Browns put him back on the map last year. And now people are suddenly looking at him again and saying, size, speed, hands that came out of nowhere. For, former first-round pick. Former I mean, people love pick. taking flyers on former yeah, first-round Yeah, you know, picks. we could get something out of this guy. So I don't think it's going to be a slam dunk. Now, they will meet with him here, too. Uh, but, you know, I just don't know that it's going to be that easy because Drew is going to drive a very, very hard bargain. Was he really an important piece for the Browns? He had 16 catches, right? Right. I mean... I know it's obviously, it's more than, it's more success than he had in Baltimore. Right. But I think a lot of people, like, you know, there are two or three plays where you remember him having a huge impact. Right. You know, there was the the Jarvis Landry pass. There was another one, I think, uh, 
Mayfield threw to him. There was yep. a touchdown uh, at home. And yeah. There was a play against Denver. Yeah. But... I don't know, for what for what they brought him in for, it was obviously an emergency situation because they had injuries and and they had gotten rid of uh, a couple guys at the beginning of the year and Coleman and, and Gordon. Um, I, I don't know. I think I think you're right. I think that they're going to try to get top dollar for him mm-hmm. because based off that small <laughs> that small success, success story that he had with the Browns mm-hmm. last season. But I don't know that the Browns are really going to suffer if he does move on. See and. I think he is important because I think you look at the rest of this receiving core. You've got Jarvis Landry, who's not really a downfield threat, not not fast. Uh, Rashard Higgins is a nice player, but that's kind of he is what he is. You know, he's going to get open. He can catch the football he when he comes his way, but he's guy. not. Yeah, he's not really. He's a, he's got a little Joe Juravicious in him. Mm-hmm. I think Browns fans will kind of, will kind of remember how he played. Um, Antonio Callaway is a deep threat, but he's not real big. He's, you know, it's interesting to see. He's still got to develop, too, and, and he's still kind of a raw guy. Mm-hmm. I, I think Perriman, for, you know, even though the numbers weren't there, mm-hmm. I think there were moments when he was really important for this team as a downfield threat. You know, I, I, I think about that catch he made against Denver, the touchdown against Baltimore on a deep ball. I just think he brings a dimension that you don't have on this team. And your other option might be going and giving Tyrell Williams $10 million. And, and I don't know if you want to do that either. So yeah. if you're asking me which I would rather do, Tyrell Williams for like 10 or $12 million mm-hmm. over a number of years or bring back Rashad Perriman on a flyer, I think I'd, I'd maybe lean towards Perriman. Yeah, and, and the other thing to consider is this will be his first year where he will have an offseason, a training camp, with Baker Mayfield and try to get some of that timing down. And if things work out the way that the Browns want them to, he will be out in Southern California working out, you know, working out with Baker and those guys and trying to, uh, you know, figure out uh, just how to, again, get work on that chemistry and things like that. So I think that um, that his upside with the Browns is pretty good. It would be his second year with the same system, the same terminology. And then Baker has a way of making people look good that maybe were considered a bust before because he's so accurate with the football and things like that. So I do think that uh, he can be way more valuable for the Browns going forward than he was last year. I think it was the tip of the iceberg, uh, what he showed he can do. As long as he can hang on, and he seems to have solved some of that, maybe some of that is because of Baker. Um, But I I do think he would be uh, well worth re-signing, but again, at the right price. And that is not going to be as easy as it might seem. Would you have rather have Perryman or, or one of the wide receivers who are in this draft? It's pretty. It's, it's a good draft for wide receivers. There's it is. no, there's no really high end right. guy, but they're that second and third round. There's just yes. a ton of guys who can produce. Yeah, and that is where uh, Dorsey makes his money in those yeah. rounds, and that is where he likes to find those receivers. And he even talked about that today. That there are some. It's you know fairly deep, and there, I think he has his eye on some receivers in those later rounds. That's where he loves to get them. So if this isn't going to work out, you know, they're not going to cry over it. He will go out and he will he will draft a receiver. Can I mean, can I have both? You can. <laughs> I, I just think I, I look at the way Dorsey approached last offseason and the way he approaches team building, and I look at the secondary, right? He goes out and signs T.J. Carey for, at, a, at a pretty good number. Uh, he gets Terrence Mitchell. You know, on a multi-year deal, not a huge number, but a multi-year deal. Um, makes the trade for Demarius Randall, who's a safety, but also can play corner. 
uh, you know, really spent on that secondary and then turns around and uses the number four pick on Denzel Ward. Um, I, I just think what we're going to see is he's not going to be afraid to bring back Brashad Perriman and then also try and find those types of wide receivers like you mentioned, the guys who test really well and who are day two and three picks. And you know what? Go out there and compete and see what happens because you can't have enough talent on this roster right now. And, and I don't, you know, we're not talking about paying Brashad Perriman what, four years, $48 million. I, you know, you're starting to throw around numbers like that. That's insane. But if it's a, re- if it's a reasonable number, two years, three years, I, I think you can do both. What, what you have to remember is that Terrell Pryor wanted to sign back with the Cleveland Browns a couple of years ago, and he had Drew Rosenhaus yeah. as his agent at that time. And, you know, it just didn't work out for, for whatever reason because Drew wanted Terrell to get paid. And that's what's going to happen here, too. He's going to want Rashard to get paid. And now, all of a sudden, uh, you know, people's eyes are open about him. So I, I think that uh, he he might be a hotter commodity on the market than than people might think. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, he's one of those really interesting cases. Um, you know, Greg Robinson was another one who came in and, and put together a really great half season after struggling, a former first-round pick, again, after really struggling. And, and not living up to that potential. And then he plays really well, in part thanks to Baker Mayfield. Um, and now you know, he decided to come back and, and try and earn a longer-term contract. Uh, and, and now we'll see. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Prashad Perriman does here. If, if they do bring back Perriman, and you already have Robinson in the fold, and if Kareem Hunt works out, suddenly I mean, John Dorsey becomes the uh, <laughs> yeah. it's like a guy who can reboot anybody. And right. then the Jalen Strong has a thousand receiving yeah. yards. There you go. Yeah. So I, I keep forgetting about Jalen Strong, by the way, but then I, I see his name and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're taking a chance on him too. Yeah, and I, and I think in some ways that uh, Jalen Strong is, um, you know, maybe that puts a little tiny bit of heat yeah. on on Brashard Perriman to get his contract signed. So there was a method to uh, John Dorsey's madness there, I would believe. And we're all, I'm assuming we're all in agreement. I said this before we got into Paramount, but I'm assuming we're all in agreement that Rashard Higgins is likely back here yeah, in Cleveland. Yeah, I think so, especially because uh, Baker Mayfield wants him back. They're very good friends. They're, they're good together off the field, on the field. And, you know, these days, if Baker Mayfield, you know, if you've got his endorsement, yeah. you're probably going to be good to go. And Scott, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. When you're a quarterback and you have a guy that you can trust on third down, that you know where he's going to be, Whenever you need him there, that's you, you, you can't really replace that. That's something you, you need to have as a quarterback. It just makes life so much easier, and then you can, you'll obviously have bigger pieces around that. Okay, that'll do it for our uh, Combine podcast here, Orange and Brown Talk, on day two of the Combine Indian in Indianapolis. Uh, we'll try and get back with one tomorrow, probably our last one of the week. Uh, we've got quarterbacks tomorrow, mm-hmm. wide receivers tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it should be an interesting day here in Indianapolis. So for Scott Patsko and Mary Kay Cabot, I'm Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening, everybody.